Um, welcome to the first ever uh, Around the Ring podcast. I'm your host, Jared Oster. I got uh, my co-host right here, Dwayne Gelwalachuk. We just call him Chewy because no one knows how to pronounce his last name. Chewy, how are you doing, buddy? Doing really good. Uh, welcome. I'm really excited about being here and uh, excited to kick off the first one and, and uh, see where all this heads to. Sweet. And uh, our producer, Kyle Mulder, uh, is with us as well. How are you doing, Kyle? Good, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. All right. So for today's podcast, again, this is our first ever one. So uh, it's going to be a little bit scrambly at certain times. But uh, today we're going to host a, uh, an interview with the director of uh, player development for the Ring Training Center, John Kara. We'll have him coming up in, uh, in a little bit. Um, first thing I want to know is anybody else getting really bored with being home every day? Uh, tired of gaming? Tired of binge watching TV? Well, the Ring Training Center has got you covered with virtual one-on-ones and shooting one-on-ones. Our team of Ring professionals will help you get back into the swing of things from the comfort of your own home. Um, contact the Rink at therink.ca for any, uh, any questions or concerns on that end. Uh, how are we doing, fellas? Doing good. I've seen, uh, you know, you mentioned some of those uh, one-on-one virtuals. I've seen some of those. It's Kids get really excited about that. And I think any time they can uh, get away from binge watch TV or get in, uh, away from Snapchat, I think it would be a good thing for the parents to get on to. So you, uh, have you been binge watching any TV there, Chewy? Uh, yeah, you know what? But it's probably not what you think I'm watching. I'm watching like stuff with my four-year-old boy, like uh, Beyblades and uh, Transformers, all that kind of thing. Oh, nice, nice. I take you more as a Peppa Pig man. <laughs> that was with my little girls when they were uh, a little bit younger, but I, I stay away from that now. Yeah, I've been watching a little bit of TV too, obviously Netflix. Uh, but uh, what I've kind of been digging lately is the classic NHL games that have been going on uh, on weekends. I've been tuning into some of those, watched uh, Toronto versus LA 93 playoff game. Uh, that was pretty phenomenal. Big Doug Gilmore fan myself, so that was pretty cool. And uh, have you guys caught any of those NHL classic games? I've, I've caught a few of them. I got really excited about watching one. I actually thought I could make a comeback. That was more my style. I was... You know, I wasn't known for my swift skating style. It was more of a stay-at-home, clutch-and-grab defenseman. But uh, seeing those classics uh, really bring back a lot of memories watching that as a little kid. Well, I just like the fact in some of those classic games that you can score goals along the ice. That's more my (laughs) style. Can't really raise the puck very well. So, Yeah, that's right. Hey, quick question for you guys. You guys think that we're going to see hockey again here this year? Or do you think that it's going to be, you know, not till start till next year? Um, I don't know. I think if we're back in the next, um, I would say in the next two weeks, if we get back to some normalcy, uh, you can see it coming back. I don't think, I think if it does come back, you're going to see it being played with no fans. And I, and that's what I think. I mean, I hope, I hope they do come back, um, because I miss it and I don't care if there's fans in the stands, uh, you know, I'm there to watch the players. So, I hope it does come back, and I hope that they do a format where uh, it includes the Winnipeg Jets because um, I'm a homer bias. Um, 
But yeah, I hope it comes back, but I'm not holding my breath. What do you think, Kyle? Oh, I, I got to say, I'm, I would love for it to come back, but I actually think there's no way it actually comes back this season. Just kind of hearing what all the players are saying too, where they're, you know, you've got scoring records and all that stuff's kind of going to be tainted if they have to shift the length of the season and no one wants to, you know, you want to play the rest of the season, but you don't want to, you know, jeopardize anyone's position and actually give the Stanley cup to a team that deserves it. So I think just hearing all those factors kind of opened my eyes a little bit to kind of what the players think. And just with the current circumstances, I don't think they're going to get it done. I think they should look for fill-ins like uh, this guys that want to go and play some NHL games and then, you know, let the NHL guys take the rest of the year off and start next year. Be like the, the movie, the replacement. With Keanu <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, let's get to it. Then um, we'll uh, invite John right away and we'll have an interview with him about uh, his hockey career, uh, kind of the way that he came up through the ranks and uh, we'll have a little fun with him as well. Great. Can't wait. Okay. Uh, welcome uh, to the first ever podcast. We got uh, John Kara, the director of the Ring Player Development. How are you doing, John? Very good. Excited to be here. It's a big day. It was pretty professional how we, we got that intro. Yep. Right? Pretty good. Pretty good. Do you want to say hi to John? Mr. Kara, how's Very it going? Good. Like your background there too. Yeah, glad. <laughs> glad you could uh, glad you could join us today. Take away from uh, doing your skating stretches and exercises in the driveway, teaching all your neighborhood kids. Uh, glad you could make time. That's a huge day, <laughs> huge day for me. So appreciate you guys having me. So John, so just to start off, like um, you know, how are things been going the last couple of weeks? Uh, I know no one's at work. Uh, what have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Uh, I know you got some kids, so I'm pretty sure you're doing some uh, home teaching. Why don't you tell everyone kind of what you've been up to the last couple of weeks? Uh, well, the last couple of weeks, it's been uh, it's been working from home. So um, our kids have been pretty good for the most part. They usually kind of hit the bewitching hour around 2.45. So we've got about 20 minutes here currently until uh, the wheels fall off. But um, Kingston's been getting pretty good at PlayStation and uh, usually does schoolwork first thing in the morning. And then Veda, she, uh, she's finally playing with all those Barbies and LOL dolls that, uh, were kind of tucked away for a long time. So it's been good, but the majority of the work has been going on, uh, on my wife's shoulders. So Kara's been doing the majority of, uh, the majority of the, the grunt work right now. You just been doing the, uh, the gym teaching or what? Yeah, I usually run gym class at noon. Um, so usually that's kind of the outdoor time where we go outside and uh, the kids get to rip around. So it's been fun. You sit on a lawn chair and just pull your whistle or is that what you do? Like tell them when to stop and start? Or? Well, that, that might have been how you guys did things in Brandon and, uh, <laughs> you know, Transcona. But no, we're, out, we're out there in LaSalle. We're running around and uh, we played uh, – Two games of soccer, so we've had a couple of good games of that. You're not making, you're not making the kids get up at 5 a.m. for your uh, workout. Uh, well, Kingston usually gets up at seven, and then we go for a jog at seven. So uh, he usually chooses the route. So we did that. We do that on Tuesday and Thursday, but they get to sleep in a little bit. 
Okay. Well, um, so just uh, kind of going through your uh, your hockey DB here, Johnny. Um, you know, you started off in the MJ, uh, and then you moved your way to the B uh, the BCHL, and then on to the WHL, and then uh, into the CIS. Um, you know, talking to a lot of uh, parents, a lot of kids, that's one thing that they always ask us is kind of um, the route we took. You know, and um, and some of the things that that you saw coming through your path. Uh, why don't you tell everyone kind of your path, your journey through uh, through hockey, uh, some of the ups and downs that uh, maybe you saw, or some things that you uh, didn't see coming, or or maybe you would have changed along the way, if anything at all. Yeah, so I mean, typical minor hockey days. Uh, I grew up in a small town and uh, called Saint Eustache, out by Eli, and played minor hockey there and um then played triple a and central plains it was really my only played two years of triple a and then jumped into junior so um you go from being a you know a big fish to uh you know just trying to hang on so my my first year in bca started off um real well uh it was a tough decision to leave home and go to bc it was between you know i was looking at going to lethbridge or going to bc and uh, at that point, I decided I was going to go after a scholarship and try to do that. And uh, it was a challenging decision to make. But, um, you know, when I got out there, everything was going really well to start the year and then kind of went in the tank a little bit. Um, and then just really started to contemplate, you know, hockey and where I was going with it. So it was, a, you know, an up and down year. And then at the end of that year, I decided I was going to jump to the the Western League. I still had an opportunity to go to Lethbridge and just kind of continued my my struggles there. I had lots of fun uh, off the ice and made some good friends, but um, really, really struggled through junior. It wasn't uh, it wasn't an easy uh, easy transition for me. Um, and then I went back to Penticton when I was twenty, so that was a good opportunity. I got a a chance to play when I went back there. Um, but for me, I, you know, when I look back on, talk to lots of different people about this as well, but, you know, the decision you make at 16 or 17, whatever that decision is, I think it's important that you, you stick with it and you, you know, you stay with the route that you've chosen because to bounce back and forth just makes it tough and you never really establish yourself. I look at it like a job, like, you know, you, you start off in a company, you work your way up, um, same thing in junior hockey, you know, nothing happens super quick. Your first year is usually ugly for most, unless you're exceptional and then you kind of build from there. So that was kind of where my, uh, my path went. So what were some of the factors, uh, uh, Johnny, that you, uh, took into consideration when you were making your choice, uh, to, to like go out to BC or go to the WHL where some of those factors you and your family looked at? Well, for me, it was at the time when we made the decision. Um, I always, and Chewie will love this, but I mean, everybody in Manitoba, you want to be a wee king. So for me, it was, um, you know, I always wanted to play in the Western League. That was who I grew up watching. Um, and then I, uh, you know, the decisions that kind of went into it was just, you know, my parents didn't have a ton of knowledge about hockey. I mean, my, my mom and dad tried to reach out to as many people as they knew for advice. And um, when it came to my personal situation at 17, I wasn't, uh, um, 
you know, a big player by any means. I could skate well, but I was, you know, 160, 170 pounds. So uh, I think it was Craig Heisinger that told my dad that, uh, you know, if I went to the Western League and Jordan Tutu got a hold of me, that uh, you know, he'd probably be able to blow my arms right off my socket. So for me, the decision to, to stay, you know, at the junior A level, um, at that time, I just felt with my family that it was the best option for me based on where I was at in development. So now you mentioned, uh, your skating and that's one thing, um, you know, uh, that kind of pops off the page when I've seen you play, uh, whether it's uh, senior hockey or, or old footage, uh, with that speed, was that like a natural ability or was that something that you had to work at? Cause that's another question. A lot of people want to know is, can you, can you create that type of speed without a natural ability or, or did you have to work, work for that speed? Uh, well, I mean, I used to fail at Ken skate every year, so I do it two or three times. So I think that might've laid the foundation for me. So it'd be like doing learn, learn to skate three or four times just to get to the next level. So I don't know if that helped, but, um, that was, you know, something that kind of laid it for me. And then, uh, you know, my dad used to take me rollerblading. We lived in the country, but there was one patch of asphalt. So we used to go rollerblading there and he'd clock me how fast I was going. So we used to work at that. And then you have to be innovative when you live outside the city. So we used to have a, a tire that I would drag down the gravel road that would fill up with gravel and I'd have to keep going for like 10 to 20 reps. But other than that, I didn't do very much to you know, to work on my skating until I went to edge of excellence, uh, hockey school when I was, you know, 14 or whatever. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of it maybe came from those foundational years for, for can skate and then dad get me to drag a tire. So. And that was the, uh, when you went to edge of excellence, was that like the first time you saw kind of, um, the skill development breakdown in, in, in the stride and stuff like that? Yeah, that was the that was the first uh, camp I went to that was real specific like that. The only other camp I'd been to was with uh, Dr. Jeff Leader in uh, Gimli, and uh, that that was his dad's uh, camp, and he was kind of a local celebrity at it. So it was uh, we used to do that in the summer too. But uh, yeah, Edge of Excellence was the first one, and my my dad made sure that I knew that he was spending a lot of money to, on me to go to that camp. So I had to learn and focus. So cool. Okay, so John, why don't you, uh, when did you first kind of get into, uh, you know, teaching hockey, like on the development side? Obviously, it, it started a little bit with Dave Roy uh, in that first camp that you went to, but uh, why don't you tell everybody kind of um, when you started kind of working with players and, and that kind of road that you started with? Yeah, well, I think David Roy was the very first uh, person that I worked for. That was Edge of Excellence. And, um, I remember literally after the first week coming home and my dad asking me like, you know, how was the first week? Did you enjoy it? And I just remember saying like, I think I could do this for a living. Like this is something that is so rewarding seeing kids be able to, you know, develop or you tell them something and they can do it and then seeing their, their eyes light up. So, um, you know, obviously at that time when you're still playing, it's more of a summer job, but it was always something that I never looked at as work. It was always something I, really looked forward to and um obviously based on your path of where you play I played in Penticton so um 
my wife's from there. So I ended up uh, going back there for the summers to work at Okanagan uh, hockey schools. Um, and out there I worked with uh, a guy named Rob McLaughlin. We worked to develop a power skating program out there for their hockey schools. Um, and again, just another super professional organization that was able to learn a ton and be surrounded by great coaches. And then uh, the one year I came back and my good buddy Ryan Sear uh, had come to uh, move to Winnipeg and he was starting uh, GDI Prairies. And that was uh, kind of my first intro into to the rink. So went and checked it out and then started working for uh, my assistant coach at U of M at the time. He was overseeing a lot of the programs at the rink. So I started there and um, again, just like I said, with my junior career, like you, you get an opportunity to get your foot in the door and if you work hard enough at something and you continue to grow um, and you're supported by, you know, good people and good owners like we have at the rink. Um, I've been blessed with, you know, kind of all the opportunities I've had along the way, but, um, each and every opportunity, there was something that I took away from it. And I think that that was the biggest thing for me is, you know, with teaching now and what I try to, you know, implement with what we do at the rink is, you know, all part and parcel of all these other coaches that I've learned from. It's not just, you know, me coming up with the ideas. It's all those guys, plus the guys I have with me on a day-to-day basis that are all part of it. Right. So, that's kind of what you know got me to this point and you know something I really enjoyed to do so what's uh Johnny going from being a player to uh getting into the the market of you know teaching and being a skills coach what's the biggest uh change you've seen in the teaching is it like this the equipment is it in uh you know the technique is it in the athlete over the years what's the biggest change that you've seen in, in the industry well I think that the uh you know, the technical side of the game or the advancements with, with sticks is obviously, I mean, uh, a massive contributor to learning how to shoot. I mean, everything's different with shooting now. Um, but also I think just in the, the, the approach you have to players, like I said, like when I went to edge of excellence, when I was 12 years old, like that, that camp came to, to Winnipeg once a year, you know, and now you've got, programs like ours going out to communities and like going to St. Estache and working with players there. Like it's, it's, it's there for players more. Whereas before it was like, you did this once in a while, you did training once in a while, you know, the off season was the off season. And then you dug your skates out for one camp. Like now players are expecting it and they're experiencing it all the time through their whole season, through their off season. So um, that's probably the biggest thing that I've seen that's that's changed and your approach to players is obviously different we all know you know even what's going on in the NHL this year with a lot of the the coaches and what's come out like for a lot of us that uh that was the norm when we played it was it was wasn't wasn't anything to question a lot of the stories that are out now you know good and bad is that you know kids are questioning it now and the kids will ask questions on the ice all the time you, you would never ask a question back in the day of a coach so um <laughs> that's you know, for sure <laughs> so good and bad i think uh those are kind of the things that i've that i've seen cool okay so um just to kind of talk about a little bit of your your history in the game like when you were a little guy um Rumor has it used to be like a stick boy or something for a big hockey club. Is that true? (laughs) 
I was, I had the opportunity to be stick boy and water boy through Craig Heisinger. My parents were teachers. So in service days, Zinger would have me, uh, you know, I get to spend the day with him and basically help him out as much as I could. And, um, now that I look back on it, like at the time when you're a kid, you don't think about how cool that is. But now, you know, being older, I, you know, I, first off, I can't believe that he would offer to do that, you know, to help out and have me there, especially on some game days with the amount of stuff he had going on. But, um, yeah, I had the opportunity when I was seven or I think it was eight or nine, maybe where I was with, uh, with the team there just for in-service days. So it was, it was good. It was really cool. What's one memory? I think this is what, uh, uh, Oscar's going to ask you, what's one memory that sticks out for you, uh, doing those days? Like, was it that, uh, you know, you looked up to, you know, the first kind of, Hey, that's a pro hockey player. That's someone I see on TV. Or was it this, that they had great snacks in the dressing room? Yeah, no, I think, uh, um, what do you mean by stacks? <laughs> snacks, oh, snacks. snacks. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, one of the, probably one of the coolest stories I had, um, was with Keith Kachuk, you know, him and Timo Solani. I mean, Solani didn't speak that well, but they were both great to me, but Kachuk was exceptional. Like, uh, you know, everyone would leave for the day. And I just remember the one day uh, he was explaining to me, it was just him and I were watching TV on the big screen. He was explaining college football to me, just like how much he loved it and how great college was. And like, now I look back on it and I'm sitting there with, uh, you know, guy that's a legend you know just on a couch like sitting with them just watching college football and then there was a restaurant called fingers downtown and um he took me there for lunch the one day and i remember he opened up his wallet and i'd never seen that many uh 50 bills in a wallet he bought me lunch like and i'm just you know you look back on it now and it's just like you think about things like that like it's like you know that they took the time to do that that zinger took the time to have me you know in there as water boy to take that on plus those guys to to take me for lunch like you know what i mean like it's those are the stories that nobody knew about keith kachuk when he was in winnipeg right so well i everyone knows my cousin mary kachuk so i got to know him pretty good and uh he is he's just one of those guys a stand-up guy and i remember one time i was at a, a jets party and I was probably like 12 years old playing Mustang hockey and we're all looking for our uh, sponsorship on the back of our jerseys. You always had to get a sponsor midway Chrysler or whatever. And I was just selling um, like tickets, like raffle tickets. So I went up to Kachuk and I was like, Hey man, like, can you buy some tickets thinking he's going to, you know, buy $20 worth or whatever. And I show him the raffle tickets and he goes, well, I don't want that. And I said, well, Okay, you know, sorry. He goes, no, he's like, I wanna, he's like, I wanna sponsor your jersey. And I said, well, I don't, like, what do you mean? He's like, no, I want to put my name on the bottom of your jersey. And it was the same thing. He, like, opened up his wallet and threw me, threw me $300 across the table. And I looked at my dad and I was like, can we make this happen? And my dad's like, yeah, we can make this happen. So, uh, pretty stand up guy. That's pretty cool, though. Anything that when you were with the Jets, anything like, style wise that you kind of took and what I mean by style wise is you know uh, I remember when I saw Phil Housley's stick it was the first time I ever seen a guy shave down the knob of his stick back in the old days of wooden sticks uh, so the second I saw that the first thing I did was I 
scorched the, the end of my stick and filed it down. Any weird things or style things that you kind of took from those guys? Well, I just, I can remember uh, like the different knobs on sticks. So obviously Solani had like no knob. He just had, you know, kind of like the, the snake around just a couple loops. And so you always remember like the knobs that guys had on their, their sticks. And then you try to try to replicate those type thing. But, um, you know, not off the top of my head, I was lucky like Zinger always, you know, supplied me with sticks type thing for working for him. So I always had, you know, great sticks and, um, he always took care of me that way. And then, I mean, the Bauer 3000 Solani had those, so had to get a pair of those. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, nothing, nothing super style wise. I always had really nice stuff cause, uh, cause of Zing. So nothing crazy from that, that era. Who had the best flow on the team? And then when you were a stick boy, best flow on the team, if you say um, Momantha, I'm going to kill you. What's that? <laughs> so if you say Momantha, I'm going to kill you. I'm trying to think who had crazy long hair. Um, Was Sean Cronin playing? He had good hair. No. Jimmy Kite. Sheldon Kennedy came through. He had pretty good hair uh, when he came yeah. through. Um, oh, Dave Manson had the mullet. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He had right. the mullet yeah. then. He was pretty good. Uh, yeah, those yeah. are kind of the... The guys I remember, I remember Mike Eagles was just like locked in. Like you couldn't talk to him on game days. Like it was stay clear of him. Like I, I had to put Gatorade in everybody's stall and I'd put it in his stall and he'd just have his head down just like jamming out. But other than that, I mean, I there was times where uh, I knew that when the red, they'd put up like a, they had like a red uh, kind of, thing they pull across like a, a sheath or whatever they put that up and that was when I knew I had to go into Zinger's room which was far away from there and that was when Paddock was coaching because uh, Zinger didn't want me to hear uh, those types of things so <laughs> you didn't learn any new words or what yeah exactly but yeah no it was it was, it was cool like I remember uh, I remember I hated Darian Hatcher too because uh, he uh he took out somebody. I can't remember if he took out Kachuk or who it was in a game. And then, uh, so Chris King fought him and, uh, I got the tap. I had to go in and untie Chris King's skates cause his, uh, his hands were in ice, uh, like ice pails. So he had them iced there. <laughs> but Hatcher, I remember just hating Hatcher cause he was just, yeah. And I sat between the benches where like McGuire and those guys would sit. So I would just hear those guys yelling at each other back and forth. But. <laughs> That was pretty cool. Awesome. Pretty cool. So I guess uh, we'll finish this uh, interview up just, I guess, with um, one more question. Um, you know, you've been in the game for a while now, whether you're a player, uh, skill development coach, et cetera. Um, what do you get out of it still on a day-to-day? Obviously, you get something out of helping players, but uh, like – what do you get out of it? Like uh, when you, when you're working through progressions and stuff like that, um, you know, is there, is there more that drives you than just the skill development and working with players? Is there something that, you know, you want to share? Like, I think for me, the it's evolved, right? So it started off where it was, you know, that reward of seeing a kid do something. I still think you have those, those same things now, you know, obviously, you know, with working with teams and different levels of players, for me, the biggest reward is seeing guys be able to, you know, implement it in a game and have success with it. 
So that would be one factor. And then the other side of it for me now is the, the coach development side. So just seeing the way that, you know, our reputation at the rink has, has grown and that's grown because of all the, the people we have um, and the way they teach. So being able to walk through a rink and see, you know, another coach teaching things, you know, the way that you would do it, um, you know, and the way that we've developed it is, is now super rewarding as well. And then the last part would just be now, you know, my son's involved in the game now too. So seeing his development, you know, at our facility has been, been crazy. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not really a job, right. It's something that we, we all love to do. So. All right. Sure. You got any more questions for Johnny? One last question. I know you scored a lot of goals in your uh, MJ career, BCHL career, uh, in your when you played in the uh, CIS and all that. But what's the like the one goal you remember and had the best selly for? Do you remember one goal that sticks out over your illustrious uh, hockey career? Uh, well, I had one in uh, I had one in CIS where I went to, uh, I drove down. It was shorthanded. We were in Lakehead. And I drove down the outside on my backhand, so down the right side of the ice, and I uh, I put it backhand right over the goalie's shoulder, just on the glove side, so like right there's no space. And I had one like that that year, and then I had another one, same same thing in Regina later that year. So that those are probably your most memorable. And obviously your you know your first goals, like the first one in the Western League, first one in BC. Uh, obviously stick with you and then had the teddy bear toss in Portage. Uh, so only had a handful of goals. So that's all of them that I just told you about. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Those are memories that stick for you with them forever. Yeah. Hey, when so, you went, uh, when you scored on Lakehead, did you beat Andy Zeliniak wide? No, he wasn't there yet. He was, you know, solidifying himself as BCHL defenseman of the year that year in uh, <laughs> Vernon. So. I believe Coach Andy says no one ever beat him wide. Yeah, that's really true. I, I've seen him get I've seen him get beat wide a few times uh, when he played his uh, few games in WHL. So. <laughs> beat him, I, the only time I beat him wide is in uh, when we played Shell. <laughs> well, it's because he's talking on the ice all the time. You'd be skating by him and he'd be asking him how you're doing and how your family is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You pause and look back at him and wonder what he's talking to you about. <laughs> Not like you, though, I say. No, no talking on the ice. I was in the penalty box. I wasn't as nice as Andy. We could talk after the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Anyways, Kate, thanks, John. Thanks for coming out and thanks for participating in the uh, the podcast. Awesome. Thank you, thanks. guys. Thanks, Johnny. Lots of fun. We'll see you guys again. <laughs> Okay. Uh, special thanks to uh, John Kara for coming out today and uh, talking about his hockey career. Um, just so everybody knows, this podcast is going to contain a lot of interviews with a lot of great hockey players, um, you know, hockey players that are around the facility, um, from junior hockey players to pro, uh, some coaches. We're going to try to get as many uh, hockey-knowledgeable people on here as possible. Uh, might even have to interview Chewy because uh, I looked at his hockey DB and it's uh, it's pretty big, eh, Chewy? That's what happens when you pay the guy from hockey DB to kind of add a little, you know, numbers here and another team here and all those things. I was but, impressed, uh, man. I was impressed. I told Chewy before we started this that I was actually nervous to talk to him because I went on there 
and he's worked with everybody from Team Canada to the WHL. So it's going to be cool, man. Like we got a lot of good guests, we got a lot of good hockey people around uh, around the facility. So it's going to be fun, and uh, we're just going to keep on trying to bring you fun stories from them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the ride. Looking forward to get this going and uh, yeah. being a part of all of it. Cool. It was fun. All today. right, guys, we'll stay safe and. Uh, Remember, if you're bored, you can always uh, call me and I'll play online and chill and beat you down pretty good. <laughs> See you guys. Sounds good.